by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We don't have Wednesday services, y'all, on a regular basis. Let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. We've got an opportunity to worship the Lord.
Father, we worship you. Just lift your hands and worship. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. You are awesome in this place. It is an awesome, awesome, beautiful thing that you would care about us, Lord, that you know our names, that you know our situations, that you love us completely, more than anyone, that you know everything about us, and that you work with us, and you're patient, and you're kind, and you're long-suffering, and you rejoice over our victories, and you're and you're spurring us onward, and you're preparing a place through your son Jesus that where you are, we may be also. It's just an awesome thing that, that you have stooped down to earth, became one of us, and paid our penalty. We just thank you for it, Jesus. We just thank you so much. It just blows our minds. It's just beyond comprehension. You are so holy. You are so beautiful and powerful and awesome in every, every way imaginable. You are perfect, and yet you love an imperfect me. I, I salute you, Lord. I, I honor you. I bow before you. My heart magnifies you. We honor you here tonight. We pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, you are in for a treat. Uh, I'm glad you came tonight. I'm glad that uh, many of you came Sunday and endured the cold weather. And I'm glad that you guys came Wednesday before last and, and brought the food and brought the food this last Sunday. You guys are making this church beautiful and making it the fun, warm, fun-loving family that we ought to be. So give yourselves a big hand. Thank you for everyone who, uh, who serves in the church. And uh, when you see the ones serving in the back tonight with the children and stuff, you know, shake their hand, love on them. But tonight is a very special night because you're going to get to hear from some people uh, that you don't, hadn't probably got to hear from before. Um, you know that we're a disciple factory here at the Passion Church. We're here to develop Jesus' heart in you. It's what we do. We each come and learn that we may go and teach. We're making disciples. And there are people in this room have, have been coming. They've been learning through their experiences in life, through the sermons, uh, through their own personal relationship with Jesus. And they are ready to go and teach. And so we want to give people avenues to, to use their gifts and abilities. And so I believe you're in for a real treat tonight. We're going to have some people that get to minister for their first time uh, here at Passion, I believe. We're going to start out with Mr. Josiah Burnett. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Josiah, you want the handheld or you want the ear? Okay. That way, if I get too loud, I can just kind of do that. It'll be good. <laughs> so I'm just going to share with you all kind of what God is uh, kind of teaching me right now. So what's funny is uh, I'm talking about discipline because that's something that, as I get older, God is working with me a lot on because discipline's every every little thing in life. So when I walked in today, Pastor's mom, uh, she's my favorite because uh, she says... <laughs> All the time, she's like, you're losing weight. And I'm like, yeah, good, good. I don't know if that's true, but I appreciate that. I do. Um, 
And she's like, how did, how did you do it? You know, I've lost like 50 pounds in the last two years. And she's like, how'd you do it? And I'm like, well, I started working out and I started eating right. And that's not an answer that people like. Yeah, that's not what they want to hear. They want to hear, I, I did this little plan and you can do it too, three days and, and you'll lose 50 pounds, right? Yeah. So, uh, and I, I told her too, like, I'm still working on it because like today, I don't know if I ate good. Because I ate with Nick, and we ate some, like, kebab or something from this Mediterranean place. I don't know if that's good, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's better than what I was eating two years ago. And so that's what God is showing me. Like, discipline is every, like, facet of our lives. So, like, from what you eat to what you watch to what you do, like, God is disciplining you and teaching you as you go, as you live. So I'm going to be in First Chronicles 21, chapter 21. And we're going to be talking about David. And Pastor just preached about David, uh, his affair with Bathsheba. And a lot of us know that story. A lot of us have read that story. And as I was reading through uh, First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, I came across the part in chapter 21 where David sins again. So this is many years later, after the Bathsheba incident, um, David has repented. He has been a man after God's own heart. You know, that's kind of David's thing. That's what he's mentioned as in the Bible. So uh, he actually sins again here. So I'm going to read uh, chapter 21, verse 1 through 2. So let's see. Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take a census, a census of the people of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, take a census of all the people of Israel from Beersheba in the south to Dan in the north and bring me a report so I may know how many there are. I'm going to get all these names right, but are wrong, by the way. So if I say something that you're like, that's not how it, it probably ain't. It probably ain't. But um, so I've read this like all my life, right? I've read the Bible through probably 10, 11, 12, 12 times, right? Um, I never understood, you know, when David sinned with Bathsheba, we all know, like, as soon as we read the story, he had an affair with another man's wife. He set up the man's wife or the woman's husband to be killed, right? We know that that's sinful, right? We hear that and we're like, oh, that's bad. That sounds really bad, right? Uh, here, David sins by taking a census. And it never, like, dawned on me, why? Why was that a sin? Why was that not okay? You know, you think about it, America takes census. Other, other countries take census. It's good to know, like, how many troops you have, you know, what kind of power you have. Um, I think the answer to that is earlier on, in First Chronicle chapter 18 and 4, where it says, uh, yeah, verse 4, David crippled the chariot horses he took in plunder. So the real question is why? Uh, he took all this loot and stuff from the forces of Hadadezer, King of Zobah. I don't know if that's how you say it. Uh, but it says he crippled all the chariot horses except enough for 100 chariots. Why would you do that? Anyone know? Uh, because in Deuteronomy 17, 16, it says, The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you're not to go back that way again. So God was trying, David was actually trying to adhere to Scripture when he hobbled all these horses, right? He had abundance of chariot horses, which made Israel like this huge force to be reckoned with. And they already were. In uh, chapter 18, uh, in my Bible, the chapter's heading is literally David's military victories. 
So they're a great power. So Deuteronomy 17, 16 was God's way of trying to keep the king from relying in his own power. So David adhered to that all his life. Even when he sinned with Bathsheba and uh, the prophet came along to him and told him, hey, you've sinned and uh, God will punish you for your sin, David immediately humbled himself. He did bad things. He tried to cover up the lie, but he humbled himself. So back in First Chronicles 21, um, and I'm just going to read a good chunk of this because this is something I didn't really understand as I've read through this a couple times because it seems like the punishment for taking the census was far greater than the punishment for his affair. It seems like that anyway. Um, so verse 7 says, God was very displeased with the census, and he punished Israel for it. David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking the census. Please forgive my guilt for doing this foolish thing. Then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer. This was the message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I'll give you three choices. Choose one of these punishments, and I'll afflict it on you. So Gad came to David and said, these are the choices the Lord has given you. You may choose three years of famine, three months of destruction by the sword of your enemies, or three days of severe plague as the angel of the Lord brings devastation throughout the land of Israel. Decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me. Verse 13, my version says, the NLT version says, I'm in a desperate situation, David replied to Gad. Uh, but let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is very great. Do not let me fall into human hands. So, God was going to punish David because David was going down the path that all the kings after him were going to go down, which was they grew reliant on themselves. They forgot that God was who was driving the nation of Israel. And this was when David got older. He started, you know, realizing that he could do some things on his own. And that's something else that another king did later on, Asa. Uh, he was a very wise king. He did good things for God. If you read his little epitaph in the Bible, it says Asa was a good king that followed the Lord. But in his last days, he turned against the Lord. So David's epitaph, what was that? It was man after God's own heart, right? So what's the difference? How did Asa turn out to be he followed God, but he turned away? And David, a man after God's own heart. Because David was kind of, I mean, he did some bad stuff, you know? Um, but I think the answer is in verse 14, the Lord sent a plague upon Israel and 70,000 people died as a result. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But just as the angel was preparing to destroy it, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, stop, that's enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Eraunu, probably, the Jebusite. David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with a sword drawn, reaching out over, Israel, over Jerusalem. So David and the leaders of Israel put on burlap to show their deep distress and fell face down on the ground. So the difference between David and Asa, when David was confronted by God and God said, hey, you sin gratefully, like, like this is a big bad sin, David immediately repented. He immediately said, let me fall on your mercy, God. Aza, does anyone remember what happened when Aza sinned? I'm kind of going fast. I know I don't have a lot of time. But Aza actually came up with this really cool plan. He partnered with the kingdoms around him to take over this, like, work site, right? And it worked. So Israel wound up looting all this equipment, all these supplies. 
And God sent a prophet, I think it was Hanani, to King Asa saying, you sinned because you went to the nations around you. You didn't come to me. I was going to let you defeat these armies, but instead you just set them back. And, and so his, Asa's plan worked, but it wasn't the plan of God. So David was different because when, it, when the prophet came to David, when Gad came to David, David said, David said, let me fall into your hands, God. And so uh, the threshing floor of Arauna, uh, there's a lot more in the scripture about how he went to Arauna and said, let me get your threshing floor because I'm going to do a sacrifice to God because this is where the angel of death stopped, right? So uh, he does a sacrifice. Arauna wants to give him stuff. He's like, no, nah, I'm got i not going to sacrifice something to God that cost me nothing. So this is where God tells David to build the temple. And why that's important is because in his discipline, David is being punished right here for sin. God reveals to him where his son is going to build the temple. So to a much lesser extent, I relate this to my life, and this is, gonna, this is a funny example because it's not on the same level at all. Uh, I got pulled over like two months ago, got a ticket for no seatbelt which is ridiculous because I always wear my seatbelt, and this is the one time I didn't wear it. You just forget. You get in the car, you go down the street, you forget, right? Got a ticket, making me mad. I'm angry. Uh, so I'm talking to the uh, it's, uh, uh, DeSoto County Sheriff. If it was South Haven, you know, I worked for the South Haven Police Department. I probably could have got off because I worked there, right? I know all the cops. I could have been like, hey, I'm one of you guys. Um, I tried that on the county sheriff. It don't work on the sheriffs. It don't work. <laughs> So anyways, I get the ticket. It's like 30 bucks, right? I get the ticket, and as I'm talking to the deputy, he's telling me how he recognizes my uh, bumper sticker and that he knew the guy that I work with, uh, Rob, right? So we get to talking, and a couple days later, he sends Rob a text because he was talking with their marketing department, and he's like, hey, we have some work that we could probably throw their way and do this big recruitment thing. So even though it's not on the same level, in my, you know, I was doing something wrong, and it put the seatbelt on, which, you know, the one time I never do it. God still blessed me even then. So I think what God was trying to show me through that was, here I am getting mad because the little thing seemed like a bump in the road, but it was really God's plan. And so for David, this was a much bigger than a small bump in the road. This was not a little ticket. This was 70,000 people died as a result of David's sin. And what was his sin? taking a census. See, now I understand that God was trying to discipline David in a way that he didn't discipline all of the kings. Because if you think about it, the evil kings did far worse. And it seems like they didn't get punished, right? But if you look at their legacy, they didn't have much of a legacy. The nation fell apart and people rose up and took over parts of their nation. So David was the only one that when God revealed to him that this is the place that you will build my temple. It was in the middle of punishment. And David could have turned away. You know, I talked briefly about Asa. Asa was, uh, a prophet came to Asa and told him, hey, you've sinned because you didn't trust in God. And Asa threw the guy in prison. And then it, the Bible says about Asa that he uh, got a disease in his elder years and he didn't turn to the Lord, but only to his physicians. So the difference in the epithets I don't know if I'm saying that right, but, you know, what's written on your tombstone, what people remember about you is the heart, the heart posture. 
So David's heart posture was, even in the moment where like he sinned again and again, he kept going back to God. Asa's heart posture was, he sinned and he ran away from God. So I think what God is teaching me, like it, it's almost in our sinful nature to run when you do things wrong and when God comes to discipline you. But the point is the discipline. Like when you pray, I pray all the time that God will show me, you know, the purpose he has for my life and help me walk in that. Well, if you pray that, you will be disciplined. You, and you, that means you will be tempted and things will come along and, you know, you'll wind up wanting to eat the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, watch the wrong thing. And the whole point of it is God is trying to discipline you into being a man or a woman after his own heart. So because, God, because David accepted God's discipline, that's why he has that epitaph. And, and that's what we need to be doing in our lives. And that's something that I'm learning as I get older. So I just want to encourage you guys to ask God for discipline, which is a tricky thing to do, by the way. It's like praying for patience. If you pray for patience, it's dangerous. And my mom actually always says, don't pray for patience because then God will give you, you know, practice. Yeah. Um, but I think we should be praying for discipline, for patience, because we want to be the people that God has created us to be. And the only way to do that is to allow God to shape us. And sometimes that means punishment. Sometimes it means guidance. There are many times in David's life where he was given guidance that was very gentle. And then in this particular instance, not gentle. But it shaped the entire nation. And it pretty much shaped Solomon, his son's reign. So that's the power that God's discipline can have on your life. You just have to accept that. I just want to pray over you all real quick. Uh, Lord God, I just thank you for bringing us all together. I just ask that you clear our hearts and our minds and allow us to focus on you in our lives and that you will discipline us and we won't fight you, God. I just ask that we submit to you and that we saturate our hearts and words so we can hear your voice and know who you are. We love you and we trust you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. And you're going to sit back there all these years behind the camera. Man, it would take me three Sundays to preach that much wisdom and teach like you just did. You have a gift, son. What a gift. Let's give him another round of applause for, for the gift that God has given him. Wow. Wasn't that awesome? Mm. Well, you're really going to be surprised now. How old are you, Christian? 18 years old. Give a welcome to Mr. Christian Macklin. Yeah, it's on. Um, my topic is is titled "Crushed for a Purpose," and my first scripture is coming out of Proverbs chapter twelve, verse twenty-five. And it reads, Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it, maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Basically, this one scripture means 
worry worry weighs a person down and worry weighs a person down an encouraging word and a word encouraging word cheers a person up the more we worry because we all worry about a lot of things we all have that temp temptation of not knowing if this would work or if this will go the way we want it to go but the more you worry the less it will bring your self-esteem down your self-esteem down you have that go-to person to lift you up and encourage you and tell you that it'll be fine you got it we can get through it together no matter what it is and my second scripture is also coming out of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 14 and 30. And it, and it reads, a, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but the, but the envy of the, of the, the envy of the, the envy, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Basically, this one particular scripture means stop comparing what you have to other people. Because what you have for, to, for, from other people is not always what God wanted you to have. You can't have everything somebody else has. It's okay to be different because you were born to be different. It's okay. You, we, were all, we are all peculiar people. So... Um, to really more so to close, really to both tie those scriptures together, we were made to be broken, but we were also made to be molded into something new. We're all like building blocks. Building blocks crumble and tumble, but those building blocks can be broken back, brought back up and molded into, built into something new. We're building blocks. We're crushed for a purpose. Many times people wonder why. Why am I depressed? Why am, why am I going through what I'm going through? You're going through what you're going through to be molded into something else. Your weaknesses can be turned into your strengths. Those strengths that you have, you can pass those strengths along to other people. And those strengths can be ministered through thousands of people, and you can change somebody else's life within that lick of time. And how a lot of people ask me this at school, and Mr. Mitchell can be a witness to that every day, of how, how do you over, people ask me all the time, how do you overcome crushed spirits? The first one is stay present. The second one is stay focused on the little things. The third one is outsource your strength. The fourth one is talk about it. And the, and the fifth one is set new goals. It's a cycle. You can be crushed over and over and over again, but you can also be rebuild, rebuild, and start over again because the more you start over, the better your outcome will be. Five is... The first one is set, stay present. 
The second one is stay focused on, little, on the little things. The third one is outsource your strengths. The fourth one is talk about it. And the fifth one is set new goals. Many of us, well, all of us can attest to this, um, that many people and us as individuals go through things to test our faith. We test the temptation to see if God will forgive us and why we're doing what we're doing. But he tests us to make us stronger. We go into a battle with nothing, but we come out stronger than what we went in. We go in weak, but we come out stronger than what we went in. And that is okay, because in the end, what you come out with will change somebody else's life. Great wisdom, great wisdom from an 18-year-old, from the mouth of babes, you know. God can, can use us all. Uh, what poise, what courage in this generation to stand up and uh, be the man of God that you are. Thank you, Christian, for sharing. Thank you for your courage. I, I can imagine the difference you're going to make in your life. And what we need to do is, as a church is support this young man. And we need to pray for him because he's facing battles by his outspoken uh, nature in the public schools and, the, and in the, uh, his peers. And you know that he got the devil upset. You know that, right? Uh, when, when the devil sees such potential, he's shaking in his boots, but he's also, you know, wanting to shut down that so we're going to continue to pray for you christian i want everybody in here to agree to, to lift up christian and men like him men like uh, nicholas who's leading and joe who are leading young men like christian and they're they're doing the work on the front lines and so we need to put that whole armor on them each each day in prayer and pray for a hedge of protection so that they can stand strong uh, next, you're going to be very excited about this next one ministering, uh, Mr. Rick Johnston. Give him a round of applause. You know, this has been coming. I, I've been feeling it as he's been taking up the offering. This is, this is what we've been waiting for, Rick. You want to use this? No, this is fine. Okay. Well, well, uh, that was pretty it was pretty interesting, you know, discipline, and then God using us going through having our spirits crushed and being restored. It's like they really just sort of, it's the way the Holy Spirit works, how things just flow together, you know. Um, well, the thing I was going to talk about, uh, and it really relates to that, um, I want to say first, I guess, is is uh, just as a question, you know, um, how do you see yourself in your walk, God?
today? How do you see yourself in what God is wanting to do with you right now, in the here and now? Do you want to have an active, a joyful, a passionate relationship with the Lord? And God wants to use you. Each one of us, He wants to use each one of us in our own unique way. God's designed us for our own specific tasks and gifts. We're all made differently, which is kind of a beautiful thing. It makes a, it makes a big mosaic of all of us together. Um, our relationship with God begins by His grace through faith. Um, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So it's kind of amazing, you know, that before you were even born, there's things God has already put in motion. He's already designed good works for you to do, you know. And different from me, they'll be different from anybody else. Each one of us fits into that puzzle piece. Um, so salvation is really it's just the beginning, you know. Um, God has a design for us for certain activities that he's going to want to do with each one of our lives. Um, John the Baptist spoke in, in Luke 3, 8 through 9. He says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And this kind of speaks to me that the religious people of John's day, they trusted in their heritage. You know, they trusted in their religious traditions. You know, this is what we've always done. This is what we believe. But the the thing I guess that we can pull from that for us is is that is that what we're doing? You know, are we just sort of leaning on? Well, you know, I mean, I go to church on Sunday, and you know, I kind of, you know, just kind of going through that motions, you know, and everything where we can just sort of, it's just at the surface. It's not really penetrating into our hearts the way God wants to do. He wants more. He wants all of us. And, uh, you know, so uh, in James, and James cuts to the heart of this. He says, and this is in James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And, and, I, and I know that's the challenge for me. You know, I can... I can have really good quiet time, man, it's, it's good, and I'm, I'm talking to God, I'm reading scripture, I'm asking him questions, I don't understand this, that, or whatever, and it's good, you know. But it's real easy to 
it's real easy in my self-talk, I guess, as it were, to feel more spiritual than I am by far, you know, because of just the words and the talking, you know. And because I'll see so much of the time, it's like, man, I'll start off, and that quiet time's good, God is good. Then I get out, and I'm on the way to work, and God cuts me off, and, you know, suddenly not good, you know, just like, and you're like, ugh. How can it be like that? You know, how can I just switch that light switch? You know, one minute, man, I mean, I'm up in the heavens. God's good. Everything's great. And then just the smallest little thing, you know, and it's kind of like, okay, Rick, you know, the, the talking is good, but this is kind of where you're at, you know. <laughs> and and that, that's, that's the good part of it, you know. That's the, that's the discipline part of it, you know, because it's, it's easy to be, it's easy like, well, when, when, this part where, where James is saying, being doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. I mean, I can sit here, man, I can quote the scripture, this and that, and that's good, and that's, you know, but that's not the same thing as doing it. You know, that's not the same thing as living it. That's not the same thing as when somebody does something and you turn to God first instead of turning to your flesh saying, man, I'm going to, you know, do things. You know, it's, but it's like that every day, you know, and, and we need that honest evaluation to not be fooled, you know, so that we're, you know, God designs us, wants us to be his handiwork, but we've also got to be honest with ourselves. Um, in Second Corinthians, Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith, test yourselves. You know, and I think he, he's saying the same thing. Hey, don't don't be fooled, you know. We can all say hallelujah, we can all jump up and down and everything, but when the different issues of life come, you know, that's when you've got to really be at the right place. Um, Jesus, Jesus tells this aspect of this when he's talking about a good tree or a bad tree. Um, this is in, this is, this is a little bit of a long scripture. This is in Luke. Uh, chapter 7, 43 through 49. And Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's good and it's convicting both at the same time. You know. And then he goes on, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep, laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the ground with no foundation. The moment the storm strikes the house, it collapses and the destruction is complete. You know, and this is true for this is true for all of us. You know, 
we're, if we're living based on a deception and not really where God wants us to be, you know, then when those things come and we go through all that and, man, we're all freaked out, you know, it's just, it really comes down to the fruit is us putting our trust in God and then stepping out and doing the things God tells us to do. Um, and for each one of us, that's different and it's unique. You know, it's beautiful in its own way. But uh, the, the, the challenge is, you know, I think is turning our hearts and our mind and our eyes to the Holy Spirit, allowing the Lord to flow through us. You know, we, we live in a time like no other in terms of you know, on any given on any given day, I mean, our movies, our TV, our music, our radios, uh, social media, and and I'm not, not going to go too far with this, but but the enemy's got his hand in all that stuff. I mean, it's 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 not it's not even it's so blatant today. You know, I mean, people, people we watch entertainment that's full of violence and murder and rape, and, all, and, and we call this entertainment. You know, it's like. And I think the Bible says, you know, guard your heart. Because from out of your heart, that's what flows the issues of life, you know. So if we're feeding ourselves, you know, all this criminal kind of activity and, and murderous stuff and lustful stuff and, you know, all of which goes against God's Word, all of which goes against God's commands, you know, that we love one another, that uh, we honor one another, you know, we're foolish when we think it, it doesn't affect us, you know, because if nothing else, just the time it steals from us. I mean, you know, I'm not young anymore, and I'm not going to get any younger. And we only got so many days, so many hours, so many minutes, and, and then we're done, you know. And this is the time that we have now to walk in faith. When this life is over, that's it. You know, there's no more walking in faith. I mean, and it's a privilege that we have to walk in faith right now, you know, um, because when we do, it makes God smile, you know. It brings joy to God's face, you know. Um, and, man, that's that's it. That's awesome. It don't get better than that, you know. I mean, that's the, that's the price, you know. So... Um, I think the last little thing I wrote down here I just said the test for us to consider is our faith in God merely re religious or is it real is it demonstrated by our life choices let's recommit our lives to the Lord seek his ways and be the handiwork that he's created us to be that's really all I got. I just pray, pray for one second. Just say, Lord, just want to say thank you, God, and just pray, Father, that you would help us to put down the flesh, thrive in your Holy Spirit, make some changes as we need to in our lives. God, as brothers talked about with discipline and anything that 
that's taken away from you, God, anything that's distracting us from the, the course you've got for us to run, help us, God. Knock that stuff out of the way. God, we just pray, Father, that we would enjoy our life with you, that we would enjoy our relationship with you, that we would bring you joy, and that would bring us joy. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name. Well, I, that was awesome, Rick. I really just want to fall to my knees and go to the altar. Um, brought really conviction, uh, straightforward, telling the way it ought to be, the way we ought to see our, the privilege of serving the Lord and the, the privilege of operating in faith and the, the responsibility of operating in faith, not just saying that you believe. Uh, very three very good messages that were that have all blessed my heart let's give them another round of applause you know uh when i was growing up I, as a teenager i played guitar since i was 14 and i practiced and practiced and practiced and if you'd asked me i'm the best guitar player in Whitehaven, in memphis maybe in the world you know i'm getting i'm gonna be the best in the world what I, what I came to find out is uh, I really wasn't even the best guitar player on my block. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, everywhere you look, there are people endowed with gifts that God has given. These three people are endowed with gifts. And so I say that to say you have gifts too. The Bible says, how is it that we all have a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song? How is it that we all have gifts, that God's given all of us gifts and things that, that we got to find out about ourselves and we got to begin to put them into use? Like you said, faith without works is dead. Christian knows he has a calling on his life. He could sit back and say, well, yeah, but all my friends are doing this and all that. But no, he's stepping into the calling. He's finding out what his gift is, and he's putting it into practice. And the more you do, Christian, the more you do, Rick, the more you do, Josiah, the more you, if you feel a call to preach and, and to, or maybe you don't feel a call to preach, you just have that ability, but you feel a call to be, to, to minister to your friends and family, whatever it is that is your gift, we have an obligation to develop that gift so that we can get better at it and we can, we can begin to make a difference with it. I, I'm, I would hope that I'm a better minister of the gospel now than I were when I became a pastor eight, nine years ago. I hope I'm getting better at what I do. And the way you get better is you put it into practice. Practice makes perfect, <laughs> is what they used to say when I played in baseball, right? Well, I don't know if we'll get to perfect, but we'll be working towards perfection. So find out what it is that God ha would have you do um, we're not all called to the five-fold ministry, of course, but we are all gifted. And just uh, people in the five-fold ministry are not held above you in heaven. They're not more valuable. Your gift may be uh, some of the gifts listed in the Bible or the gift of giving, the gift of uh, encouragement to others. 
the gift of administration. All these things are talked about in the Bible. And I'm sure if they would have had cameras back in the day or soundboards back in the day, they would have been the gift of sound technology or the gift of video technology. Uh, whatever it is, put your gift into action and you'll, just be, you'll be just as pleasing to the Lord as any, anybody in any five-fold ministry gift. And, and you'll not be at the back of the line we're not to compare our gifts one to another. We're all supposed to pull. That's why we, he puts us in the body where he sees fit because he needs fingers to go with these toes. He needs an ear to go with these eyes. So you fit in this body and you have a function and our job is to help bring it out in you so that you can begin to make a difference. Does that make sense? Does anybody have any comments that they'd like to share about something that they heard tonight? Uh, that's on your heart, you're thinking, man, I, I thought when I, when I heard that, it, may, it spurred in me, I'd like to say this. Or, does anybody have a comment that you'd like to make before we close tonight? A, a piece of wisdom that you'd like to share along those lines? Well, I guess not. I, I thought I heard a cricket. It's cricket. <laughs> well, don't say you weren't given the opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm fairly certain that everyone in here is saved, that they know that they have a home with Jesus when they pass from this life. Uh, if that's not the case, please see me after the service. I would love to introduce you to Jesus and a personal relationship with him. Um, if you're online, that's how you know that you have a home in heaven. That's how you know that you've been adopted into God's family is through Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. So a personal relationship, a surrender of your life, you put your life in his hands, make him the Lord of your life, you repent of your sins, and he will adopt you into his family. And you'll have a no-so in your heart, and you'll, you'll have this peace that the Bible promises to those who trust in him. Um, if anybody needs prayer, uh, before you leave, I'll be around. Uh, I'd love to pray with you. If you need healing in your body, I, I've been praying hard that God is putting healing in these hands, that he'll use them as his own. I'm, I'm praying for gifts. What about you? Are you praying for the ability to reach more people in your circle of influence? We all should be. We should all be thinking, what can I do? What can I do? God, why did you make me? What is my purpose? And we're all listening, some of us are listening for an audible voice. Come down out of heaven. Chester, we want you to play guitar and sing. <laughs> Chad, is that the way it happened for you? Or did you, you just, over time, in a relationship with Jesus, begin to, to go in that direction? guitar down i play every day you can ask her I, I got a room where i go in every day even 10 minutes or two hours whatever it is eight months i lost my calluses everything and uh he said now let's do what i created you to do with this thing after 20 plus years you know playing and uh kind of kind of still wanted to do it my way and finally he just said man i 
I was still smoking at the time when I started my ministry. And uh, in order for me to go, you know, I put on a lot of cologne, you know. <laughs> they'll never know. You know, go, go to church, you know, and they'll, they'll never know, you know. And uh, finally, I was, I was out smoking in my side yard, and it was just like I'm sitting here talking to you. And he just said, man, I can't take you any further till you give me something. And I knew exactly what it was. And when you smoke as long as I did and as much as I did, you just don't quit. And never once did I go into any kind of withdrawal, anything like that. It was, it was, it was God. It was all God. And uh, from that point on, it was just a hunger. I wanted, I wanted to get better for Him, not for me, not for accolades, or anything. I, I did all that. I just, I wanted, and then as I understood what it was to lead people into the throne room, into His presence. That that was the focus, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't. He blessed me with so many fine instruments to do, you know, what I do, and and that's. But that's not. That's not the focus. The focus is, why are you doing it, you know? And and, and I know it was a calling, and, and I'm gonna keep going until he calls me home. Is there anything more peaceful or beautiful than to to feel like you're doing what you were created to do? And, and what you do is not going to be what everybody else does. You got to know what God's calling you to do. You, you, may, be, you may be touching the, the edge of it right now and hadn't gone on in. You may be right up in where you're supposed to be. But uh, through prayer, through uh, patience, and through faith, hope, you will obtain the promises if you seek for me with your whole heart, God said, you will find me. It's in the relationship with Jesus that we find ourselves. Your life is hidden with Christ. That your real life is hidden with Christ and God. So remember that. Let's pray and we'll close for tonight. Once again, thank you for being so faithful. I'm looking at a faithful bunch of people. Loving towards one another and loving towards their God. That is the most beautiful thing that a person can do. That is what makes you, that's what makes people beautiful is love. So come back Sunday and we're going to talk about that. Father, we love you. We want to honor you. We thank you for the gifts. We thank you for the passions. And even as Christian minister, we thank you for the brokenness, the things that's humbled us and made us have to come back stronger. We thank you that what Josiah said is true. We thank you that what Rick said is true. It's all in our love for you. You are our why. You are why we do what we do. You are why we want to be different. We, we want to keep running to you when we fail because no one loves us like you do. No one knows us like you do. No one cares as much as you do. You are ours. You are our treat. You are our, you are our delight. You are our hope. Body, soul, and spirit. 
And we thank you for this time we've had tonight. Grow this church, Father, through the love of these people. Help us each find our purpose and the design that you have created for us, the, the thing that will give us that peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.